You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, episode number 53. Today I have a great survivor story for you, and you're going to love hearing about what is possible during chemotherapy and radiation. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Blitzbach. My friends, I'm so excited. I have Janet Burka with us today. And the great thing about her story is what she was able to continue doing through her cancer diagnosis. And I'm so excited for you to get to hear this, hear her story and really get some inspiration on what is possible. So Janet, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So would you start at the beginning and sort of tell us the overview of your cancer diagnosis? Yeah, the beginning was October, 2019. I found a lump about the size of a jelly bean that then led to my very grim diagnostic mammogram ultrasound with a radiologist that may have been holding a grim reaper sickle. (laughs) Delivery of the news just had no consideration of how I might felt. And my head was spinning. Thankfully, the ultrasound technician let me just stab in her arms and she gave me a lot of words of hope. She, you know, really said what he probably should have said, because with that diagnosis, you feel like you're dying tomorrow. You know, every, your life literally flashes in front of your eyes. So that is not the case. And I now know that. How old were you at the time? I was 44 and I had a three-year-old and six-year-old. Oh, wow. All their little faces were in my mind. Right after that diagnosis, we went on a planned beach vacation for a week, which was awful. It's very (laughs) surreal. I mean, the the days were great, but the nights is where my brain just went dark. And then I had a biopsy when I came home that confirmed it was cancer. And the hospital assigned me a team of doctors. And I have to say, they all have very different personalities and they are the perfect team for me. They really round out exactly what I need. And then I had told you earlier that I was a runner prior Mm -hmm. to my cancer diagnosis. And after that diagnosis, I stopped running. I was afraid. The biopsy also revealed that I had two tumors. I was just afraid of disturbing the cancer. I didn't know if running was even good for me anymore. And at that time, my doctors assured me nothing I did caused this cancer. I was a healthy woman. So they said, I was just one of the lucky ones that, you know, ended up with cancer and then referred me to the genetic testing that determined I had that check two genetic mutation along with two other variances. So I had a double mastectomy scheduled for December of that year. And my husband was just tired of watching me cry. And my friends got me out running again. And it made me feel so much better. And it got a lot of the darkness out of my mind. And I just was out enjoying nature and feeling like myself again and feeling strong. And I was able to run the Upstate Ultras half marathon two weeks before my double mastectomy. That's so amazing. And I really think it is for people who have been exercising, especially marathon runners, your body is used to having high levels of those endorphins that get released in long distance running. And when you suddenly take them away, it is almost a withdrawal and you can get really dark really quickly. 
I also really think you've hit the nail on the head that there's something about nature. We had something come up in our household in the last week and I was feeling really, really sad. And I got out and I went for a walk and there was something about just the fact that the woods are the same today as they were before something came up and that never ending peace uh, that you get out in nature, I think really helps people. Yes. Yes. We live in upstate South Carolina. So we've got the Blue Ridge mountains here and endless waterfalls. We're surrounded by beauty. I loved it before my cancer. And I have to say it's helping me heal. Mm -hmm. It really is. But yeah, I had my double mastectomy the day before I met my running group at 5.30 in the morning. They did a little prayer for me. So I ran up until that moment. And then after my surgery, a physical therapist came into the hospital room and she commented on how strong I was because I was able to use my legs to get out of bed. I was able to go to the bathroom by myself. I mean, I was definitely a T-Rex, you know, with my arms (laughs) kind of pinned (laughs) to my side. But she said the fact that I ran up until that surgery was going to make a difference in my recovery. And it was still a very hard, difficult month. I'd say we had a a rotation of friends and family helping. I had a meal train that was largely that running group I was with. People in the running group reached out to me that I'd never met to tell me their cancer stories. So I was really surrounded by a lot of support. And that was, you know, something that was really great that came out of this is just the kindness that I learned that people have. My pathology determined it was DCIS with microinvasion. I had lymphovascular invasion, but I was node negative. I had no cancer in the nodes and I had clear margins. My doctors all determined that, you know, I, I could have chemo, but they calculated the benefit. It was like less than 1% benefit of me going through chemo. They suggested not and just instead taking tamoxifen and kind of going on with my life. Mm -hmm. That was December, 2019, March. uh, I had my implant exchange a week before they closed all of the surgeries that were um, elective. Oh, you're lucky because there was a big period of time when the only option offered, at least in my state, was either a lumpectomy or flat, you know, and they said, we'll come back around and we'll reconstruct you down the road. But yeah. What a mess that was for so many people. Yeah. And I had those tissue expanders, which are like box turtles in your chest, you know, that I could not wait to get out. I was sleeping in a lazy boy chair up until that implant exchange surgery. So I was very grateful that the timing worked out for me there. I healed from that surgery and I started running again. And I slowly regained all those miles that I lost during recovery. I wore a compression sleeve when I ran, though I really didn't have any lymphedema issues. I did have cording, but I went to physical therapy for that. And within 12 weeks, it was resolved. Mm -hmm. And then I registered for that same half marathon that year that I had run, you know, two weeks before my mastectomy. So then now it's October, 2020. So it was, Mm -hmm. it was about 11 months later and I went for my annual breast MRI. So I was going to have a breast MRI once a year now due to my genetic mutation and the fact that I had reconstruction. I had no breast tissue anymore. I had implants now. And they found two suspicious lymph nodes in that MRI. Ended up having an auxiliary dissection where they remove all the lymph nodes in that area. 
and they removed 24 lip nodes and 23 were cancerous. So that was a lot of cancer to wrap my brain around. And interestingly enough, the pathology results determined that the cancer was different. So it went from HER2 negative to HER2 positive. So I was given a chemo plan of six rounds of the TCHP, Taxotere, Carboplatin, mm-hmm. Herceptin, Progetta every three weeks, and then followed by uh, the 12 rounds of Herceptin and Progetta. And then I was to begin 25 radiation treatments after chemo finished. I just had radiation number 22 today. 25 oh, exciting. is exciting. You're almost three done. More. Yes, I have three more. I will say though that now going back to running, two of my three doctors told me to not run. My surgeon was worried about dehydration. My physical therapists were worried about my risk of lymphedema, which was much higher now. Now I've now I have a total of 27 lymph nodes removed out of me. And my cording was back and I was going to physical therapy and it had just plateaued. It was not improving at all. So I took those six weeks to rest and heal after that surgery. And then I began chemo. Chemo actually was really great for me. I loved chemo day because my seven-year-old son was home doing virtual school. My husband works from home. My four-year-old was home. So chemo was six hours of peace and quiet. (laughs) Um, it didn't hurt. I got pumped up with steroids, made me feel amazing. I'd come home and clean the fridge. I'd mend stuff animals. Like I was like a superstar. And then the side effects kicked in. Of course, the exhaustion was so heavy that even my eyeballs were tired. Even, you know, the act of turning my eyeball to look at something was exhausting. But by the third week after the infusion, even after the first infusion, I started to feel back to normal-ish. And I walked every day during treatment. I made it a personal goal to walk every day for at least 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I have dogs and kids, so that's an easy goal to meet. And we live in the foothills of this mountain. So my neighborhood is hilly. So it really took every inch of my body and every usable part of my brain to convince myself to go out for a run. Two weeks after that first chemo infusion, I ran 1.8 miles. And it was two months after completing that half marathon. So definitely a lot slower and a lot shorter than I was used to. My pace went from nine minute miles to 12 minute miles. And my running app had this feature I didn't even know existed where the coaching voice would say walking because apparently I was going so slow. She didn't even (laughs) register. I was actually running, (laughs) but I got up and I ran the next day and the day after that. And each day I got a little faster I was no longer running to compete with previous times. I was just enjoying listening to running music and enjoying nature and feeling myself getting stronger. And then by the time the next infusion came, you know, be back down again for another couple of weeks. Um, but I kept up that pattern and chemo ended end of March of this year, 2021. I was not able to run after the fifth infusion. I was just beyond tired, but still got on my walks. I still did my walks every day. And I still played with my kids and my dogs. That's really pretty amazing. There aren't many people who can convince themselves to walk every single day during chemo. Well, I think my oncologist mentioned it probably helps that I have the kids and the dogs because they're a distraction from a lot of the side effects. I don't think I ever took a nap during chemo because I couldn't. My husband works from home. I'm constantly getting the kids away from his his Zoom meetings. (laughs) taking them outside and playing with them. And I mean, it's hard, but I had to do it. And 
I think it really did help kind of yeah. keep my mind off of um, just how tired I actually was. And I think the running did help with a lot of the side effects as well. It gave me energy that I needed. With the uh, lymphedema, I was having pain in my arm. My wrists were swelling. I'd go for a run and the pain would feel better. I wear my sleeves all the time. Well, first of all, my physical therapists tell me to, and I try to do everything they say (laughs) because I want to keep running. I don't want to get to the point where I can't anymore because the lymphedema is so swollen. Um, But yeah, I really feel like it's getting my fluids moving. It's getting my blood pumping. And a lot of the times the pain will go away and the swelling goes away after I exercise. There's actually a study through the University of Pennsylvania that shows at least that weightlifting does not increase your risk of lymphedema. And in the trial that they did, it actually decreases your risk of lymphedema. So using that arm is not been shown in most studies to increase your risk of lymphedema, even though we always thought it did. So, you know, I think that you're on the right track. Yeah. I mean, I may still use it as an excuse to get my husband to vacuum, but I, (laughs) I agree with you. I pump my fingers when I run, I just try to keep that fluid moving. And so far, knock on wood have not had it backfire on me. Really the biggest thing with lymphedema is trying to avoid injury. You know, and I don't think you're injuring it running. Some of the things that I see really being issues are burns in the oven. Like when people reach in with just the little square things, not like mitts and get a burn on their arm and that gets infected or gardening, you know, people will get scrapes from roses from the thorns and those will get infected and trigger it and flying, you know, obviously is one of the big ones that. Yes. And I did cut my finger with cutting a cantaloupe a couple of weeks back on my arm that I'm not supposed to, to injure. And I freaked out and I, you know, the neosporin came out. I was constantly changing the bandaid and my doctors assured me it's just, if it gets infected, right. If it heals normally, yeah. you're fine. You know, you're going to be, yeah. Okay. We it's just want people paying attention. We try to make a, you know, a fuss about it because I don't know about you, but like when I used to garden, I would grind the dirt into, you know, under my fingernails and all over me. And then I would like, you know, I'd sort of wash, but like, you know, if I had scrapes, I wouldn't do anything about it. I'd just wash them off and be done with it. You know, we want you to be actually like neosporing, neosporining. (laughs) And then really actually like paying attention and looking to see if anything starts to brew. Yes. Like I said, I had 22 out of 25 radiation treatments. I walk every day. I run three miles about four times a week. I've got a easy race this Saturday with some friends. My pace is about 10 minute, 30 second miles now. So I'm getting faster, um, little by little, but again, that's not my point. My point is to just, you know, get myself strong again. Right. I have a gauntlet too, the, the hand glove that I add to my sleeve when I run, cause I have had hand, hand swelling, but I've started every Sunday. Now I hike and that's something that I didn't do before, but I'm learning that maybe I won't be able to run forever. And knowing who I am, I need to do something physical. Luckily, where I live, I have a lot of opportunities to get on these trails. And we were talking earlier, nature is healing me. Like I go out to the woods and it smells different to me. Like I appreciate it so much more than I ever had. It helped clear my head. It helps keep me positive. And it, it also 
the fact that my husband is allowing me to do this on Sunday mornings without kids, it's getting me time by myself to kind of reset. Yeah. One of the things I think it is true is that for a lot of people at some point in life, running becomes more challenging. You know, you are not by any stretch old, but you know, you're also not 25. Right. And at some point, sometimes we have to stop running just because other things become problematic. So I think it is great to have a second option. One of the things that I found, I'm in a a different age group with kids is that the hiking actually turned into something that we all do as a group, which is really nice when they get bigger. None of us really love to run, but we can convince a couple of kids to hike with us usually on the weekends. And we might not get all of them all the time, but even just getting them outside. I can't wait till my kids are older where they can actually, you know, go over a mile in a trail without the complaining becoming, you know, crazy. But yeah, I mean, I'm just really grateful. Like I said, I'm not running any half marathons. I have no plans to do that at this time in my life. I'm taking it slow and pushing myself enough just to keep myself strong physically and emotionally. I feel like a superhero now, like after going through everything, you know, with each step that I take when I'm running, if I'm on a hill and it's hard and I'm trying to push through it, I think of my kids and I think of my daughter and how they're able to see me do something that I've done as long as they've known me and I'm normal to them and cancer, it's not scary. You know, I'm still mom. Yeah. One of the things I think is interesting in your case is that commonly when cancers mutate, you will end up with the cancer cells losing the HER2 receptors. One of the things that I sort of was thinking about as I was hearing this story, but it's so great because it means that in addition to having hormone pills that can help, you've got Herceptin and Progetta, which just is such a blessing. The more things you have available to help fight this off, clearly the better. So, yes, you know, I have to tell you, I'm happy for you that that was the case. Oh, I am too. I'm in a cancer group and I've met many women that are 20 years past their diagnosis. So those are the stories I needed to hear because when I was first diagnosed in 2019, my doctor said, don't read blogs. And I dove right into these blogs and I found the rabbit hole and you know, you're, you're hearing, you know, the good and the bad, or you're following someone and you're really liking their story. And then you get to the last page of their blog and, Oh, they're not alive anymore. You know, it, it was, there was just a lot of things that I had to realize that cancer is individualized treatment, treatment is individualized. I cannot make my story based on someone else's story. Everyone's story is individual. And it's amazing because medicine is so individualized now, you know, I mean, 25 years ago, we didn't have a 10th of what we have available to us now. 25 years ago, we really had CMF chemotherapy, which is an old version of chemo and tamoxifen. And that was it. And, you know, I mean, we have so much more now and it is really individualized. One of the other things that I thought was interesting is it's not the standard to do MRIs after mastectomy that really did probably save your life. Yes. And there, I mean, there was a point where my husband was even questioning, do you need to have one every year? You know, they're pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily we were in a situation where, you know, we have insurance. I can't imagine not having insurance with everything going on, but 
Yes. If I did not have that MRI, cause I, I had felt fine. Right. I was running, I was back to normal. I was drinking wine on the weekends, you know, with my girlfriends, like it was, everything was back to normal. And then this recurrence has really been eye-opening for me. I've made a lot of changes. I didn't think I needed to make a lot of changes because I was a healthy person, but I mean, I'm, I've learned a lot. And that's one of the things that I think is so great is we want to approach this from a place of knowledge and empowerment. We want you to be able to feel like there are things that you have control over because that really feels better than feeling like you're completely lacking any ownership and any control of this. Yes. And I, I had attended your, attended your virtual webinar in January that had to do with releasing the fear and things that you can do that you have control of. And then so that once you check all those boxes, you know, the fear might subside because you've done everything you can do. I think what I mean now, when I feel like a superhero is that the fear has really gone away. That's Um, wonderful. It's more of like an acceptance now of this is my life and day to day, you know, this will be my life. You know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's really like living in the moment and all like, there's so much involved in my new perspective. And I think it really clicked with me that I was different when I went to a state park with my two small kids and we went on a small hike and the hike ends at a lake and we do this hike all the time and they have their shoes on. They always want to go really close to the lake and I'm always yelling at them not to because I'm thinking about the shoes and the mess and getting it in the car and we've got the two dogs and I just sat on a bench and I let them just go crazy at this lake and get their shoes dirty and they were sitting in the water in their clothes. I mean, they were filthy and just, I let it all go. We went back to the car and just, you know, took the clothes off before we went in the car, took the shoes off. Everything was fine. Everyone survived. I just let a lot of the stress go because I really didn't realize that it could be fun sitting back and watching your kids have fun. Yeah. I think that that for some people is the real silver lining, because I think for so many of us to live 10 years present every single day versus 50 years, not present at all. Mm -hmm. None of us know how many days we have on this planet. None of us has any guarantee, especially, you know, for all of us, now that we've gone through COVID, we know there's no guarantees. There could be another worse pandemic next week. There could be a car accident. There could be, you know, some other disaster. None of us have any guarantee of how many days we have left on this planet. And I want to purposely go through my life, living my days intentionally and really being present. And I do agree with you. Like it's, it's letting go of the stuff that doesn't really matter in the moment. Right. In a weird kind of goth way, it's comforting to me knowing that like, you're going to die one day. My kids are gonna, <laughs> like, everyone's going to die one day. Like, like you just said, like, it's not all about me. It's normal. You know, it's, it's really not how long you live your life. It's how you live your life. Yeah. It's not the days in your life. It's the life in your days. Yes. Yes, I agree. Like I had mentioned the radiation waiting room. It's just everyone in there has cancer and we all just start talking and it's great. You have this room full of people that are appreciating life and letting all their guards down and talking, telling you about their 
you know, the most intimate medical <laughs> experiences. It's almost, I hate to say cancer is like a blessing to me, but it has really changed me for the better. I think that you would be surprised how many people I talk to who, when I ask them, if you had to have cancer to keep all the wisdom that you've gained, or if you could go back and not have cancer and go back to your old life, which would you pick? And so many people say, oh, I wouldn't go back to my old life for anything. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot I miss. I joke that somewhere in France, some vineyard is going bankrupt because I've stopped stopped drinking wine. So I will tell you the same thing I tell other people. I actually coached someone on this in the Facebook group a while ago. She really loved craft beer. I said, I think the reason that you're, you're not wanting to give up the beer is because you think life and weekends aren't fun without beer. But what if you started to think beer isn't fun if it's out to kill me? Or if it's increasing the odds of me dying of this. And she was like, oh, that's true. Beer isn't fun if it's going to increase my odds of dying. And it just right. that little mindset shift, I think, is so much better. And you can use that same one with wine of wine really isn't that much fun if it's going to increase my odds of dying. Right. Or I don't need it to be fun. You right? know, you bring I mean, the fun. Yeah. And I understand it. Life is stressful and it feels good, you know, to, you know, have something like that to relieve the stress, but I've just had to find other things. And same with my husband, like he's trying to make changes too with me. And we drink tea after dinner every night and we go on walks after dinner. I mean, there's a lot of things that we appreciate now. Um, Sleeping better is a, is huge too. Um, For sure. When you stop drinking, for sure you sleep better. You know, yeah, I mean, these we, are the like little beautiful things that come with this as you, you switch to herbal tea and you take a walk instead of sitting and having that second glass of wine. And all of a sudden you're sleeping better. You're feeling better the next day. Your energy is better. It is really one of those amazing things that giving up alcohol for so many people brings so many good things. Yeah. It's a process, but I'm, I'm all on board. So we sort of hinted at this, but if you had advice to people who are just starting the process, what would you tell them? That you will stop crying one day. That is true because I didn't feel like I was ever going to stop crying or ever stop thinking, you know, the most horrible thoughts. I think allow yourself to go there and then come out of it because mm-hmm. this is your life. And the more that you go down that dark path, you're missing out on your life. And I know everyone's situation is different, but for me, like chemo wasn't that bad and I've recovered from my surgeries. I'm out there. I'm doing a lot of things that I did normally um, and that they could get back there too. It just takes time, but it also takes that will. Like I said, every inch of my body had to be convinced to go out and go for that run or to go on that first walk or anything. But once you get out there and realize that, you know, I feel good when I'm doing this. I feel better. I feel healthy that it is actually benefiting you. So I'm a a huge fan of exercise during cancer treatment. I had met a woman who said she wished she met me before chemo because her doctors told her not to run after she was a marathon runner. And I understand why, but 
going out for that 1.8 mile run is still going out for a run. I, I think there are ways that you can get back to your normal self and, and enjoy this new perspective that you have. You know, I tell people not to start something new that they haven't done before, but I don't tell people to stop what they were doing. So, you know, I think that's good advice that for a lot of people, you really can continue to run in some form. You know, marathons may be too much in the midst of chemotherapy and major surgery, but, you know, for sure, I think most people, if they were running before, can continue to do some some running. And I would encourage people to talk with their team and explore whether that's an option. But yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel good. And I, I do listen to my physical therapists and they say you can get back to it, but it, it has to be at very small increments because mm-hmm. we have to monitor the lymphedema. So that's something I'm always aware of. Sounds like very good advice. Janet, thank you so much for being with us today. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. And I know a lot of people are really going to take a lot of inspiration to get themselves up and moving and hopefully stay feeling well during their chemo. I hope so. Thank you so much again for having me today. My pleasure. What a great episode today. I hope you had as much fun hearing her story as I heard talking with her. I'll speak with you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.